there's something about a great illustration that just always tends to drive a point home, leaves you meditating on it throughout the week. And that is exactly what the Apostle Paul has here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 17 through 30. He showcases for us true Christianity in the life of two specific men. And over the course of the next two programs, that is precisely what we will do. Focus in on these two men and take a look at the showcase of Christianity that they example. We invite you to spend time with us here today on Abounding Grace as we are encouraged from this marvelous book called Philippians. With today's program, again, Philippians 2, verses 17 through 30, here's Pastor Chris Gordon and today's broadcast. So this is Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 17, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and will rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. There will end uh, the reading of God's Word. What we have uh, before us tonight is Paul showing us real examples of what we uh, all want in Christianity today because we've seen so much hypocrisy. What we all want is authentic, real, true, sincere Christianity. This is something that people are crying out for and want to see. And tonight, um, this is what is essentially being shown to us, how God wants us as we've been studying in the book of Philippians, to conduct ourselves as citizens of heaven and with the goal of where we're we're headed and what our purpose is on this earth. But he wants to particularly focus in tonight on a few examples for you so that you would think about what it looks like in the body of Christ to have the mind of Jesus, Um, to be a servant, which has been the goal of this book. Uh, We, of course, came to that great pinnacle in chapter 2 at the beginning of looking at the mind of Jesus and all that he did to save us from our sins and and what he became for us, um, emptying himself, becoming in the form of a slave, giving his life so that we might live. And, And that is what's being recreated in 
the body of Christ. That's what this is, is all teaching us and showing us. And so remember he was um, addressing a real problem in Philippi. Philippi. It was a selfish mindset, wasn't it? Uh, a selfish mindset had, had occurred in the church. This happens. Church ebbs and flows and it faces trials and tests, just like we've considered. And, and at times, uh, there can be a lot of fighting and there can be a lot of discord and a lot of separation and arguing and complaining and disputing. And that's exactly what began to happen in Philippi. You've ne- like I said, we've never seen that, have we? This is what we've seen in the church a lot in the course of our time under the sun. And he's helping them through this. He's motivating them through this. He's basically helping them to, uh, into how to behave in the midst of a wicked and crooked and perverse generation. This is how the world behaves every day. I mean, this is, this is what we see every day. And we see it right now in our society in full measure, don't we? It's just tear into everyone. It's dog eat dog. And everyone's pushing an agenda. And everyone has their side. And everyone's fighting. Well, this is the point that in the body of Christ, this is not to be so among us. And so he does something really special here tonight in chapter 2. He showcases the lives of a few servants among them that they can look at and think about and consider. And I love this because he doesn't just showcase pastors. See, I think, I think we often think that about the pastors are the ones doing the real work. And certainly he showcases a pastor tonight and how important that work is. But, but he doesn't want us to think that it's the pastors who are doing all that. He wants us to realize that all of us, each of us, plays an important role in that. And that each of us is called to have the very same mind of Jesus. And he's going to show us what that looks like in the body. See, I think it would be easy to read this the wrong way. He draws a connection, Paul himself, between his sufferings. Remember, he's in prison when he's writing this letter. He's about to die for the gospel. We might say, there's the super pastor doing the big stuff out there. And Paul essentially stops and he says, listen, we are in a gospel partnership and fellowship. And what that means is the common sufferings in the body of Christ. The things that we experience together in the body. The difficulties, the hardships as a family. The same kind of servanthood is what we're called to. And that's what he's helping us tonight with. No matter what your calling is in this life, each of you plays an important part as we together have gospel fellowship and share in the same ministry, even of somebody like the great Apostle Paul. And that's what I want you to take from this tonight. Uh, No matter who we are, we are, we are to have the mind of Jesus. That's the heart of this. We are called to the same sacrificial mind. And... We are called to shine as lights as the Lord is working out his salvation in us. Remember, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works within you to will and to do for his good pleasure. God is that intimately involved in the things that we are doing.
And so that's what we're looking at briefly here tonight, the calling that he gives, the examples, and then the encouragement for each of us to have that same mind. So let's begin with this call tonight, which you'll notice here in verse 17, it's implicit, not so explicit, but I pulled it out, and I think you can see it. Verse 17, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. We started to look at that last time. That was... Um, That was taken from the Levitical priesthood, who they would take an animal sacrifice. And in that animal sacrifice, they would lay that sacrifice, like what we considered today, uh, on the altar. But on top of the sacrifice was a libation. It was a drink offering. And the drink offering would be poured on the hot altar, and a great puff of steam would, 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 would go up, and everyone would see this, this amazing moment of this libation being poured out on the altar. When you did this, it was so hot, it created that kind of effect. The libation would disappear in a puff of steam. Now what Paul is doing is grabbing that, something that was familiar to them. And Paul is saying, that's what my life's like. That's how I think of my life. Um, that I would, my life is like that libation on top of the sacrifice. I am being poured out on the sacrifice and service of your faith. That's how I want you to think. Our lives are poured out like Jesus's was on the sacrifice and service of Well, go through the line. Your husband or wife, your children, and particularly here tonight, those in the body of Christ. He's given us an arena for this, hasn't he? Paul is writing this from prison, you'll remember. And he knows there's this strong possibility that he will be martyred and eventually would be beheaded and in, in fact, we know that would happen under Nero, at least according to history. And, and all he's really saying here is, all that really matters to me is your faith. I want to advance and help you in your faith. You, you see how um, this kind of combats the individualistic mindset that we all have. I mean, you really can't be a Christian disconnected from the church. You just can't be. You're what God made it for you to be a member of a body fitting you together. Anyone who sits on the outside and says they're a Christian and totally avoids the church is not a biblical Christian. I mean, we have to say that. He made you to be part of a body. And that's what we're looking like. How does that work? And what does that mean? And I think these are the kind of things that we have to help people with. And this is how Paul first is, is helping them with perspective. First, he has to be in the mind in how you think. If I am killed doing the work of Jesus, let's take the worst possible scenario, which was Paul. If I'm killed doing the work of Jesus, if my blood is poured out, it would just be like that puff of steam. It would be for you. That's why I give my life to this service. Anything that I've achieved in the Christian life is nothing compared to to what the fact that I have been used by God to bring and help people into his kingdom, to be saved from the wrath to come, the judgment to come. So Paul is, um, is having us think about this. The implicit call here is, this is your call too. 
to have the mind of Jesus. Um, you're free. Jesus has forgiven you. He's loved you. And now that mind is being recreated in you. We have to think about how we pour ourselves out on the sacrifice and service of each other's faith. Not just on ourselves to serve ourselves. And so this is what now comes to this, what kind of seems like an obscure section in the book. And what Paul essentially does here is grab a few examples for them to help them with perspective on this and encourage them in this. Notice on verse 19, but I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be, notice this, genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Um, Notice he says, but you have known Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. The first um, example that he raises, the first thing that he raises is to have them think about the work of the ministry and to have them think about what's going on in the sending of, of, of somebody like Timothy to them to be a blessing. Uh, Timothy here is important. We're challenged to ask this about the interests of others. I, I hope to send Timothy to you shortly. For what reason? So that you'd be encouraged, built up, strengthened. Paul heard about all the troubles in Philippi. That's why he's writing this book. It's terribly hurting him. There you see the um, heart of a pastor. Remember what he said in, in 1 Corinthians 11, I have all these daily things I go through. Three times I was beaten with rods, once shipwrecked, stoned. I mean, he goes right down the line. He says, you know what my greatest burden is? It's the church. To see the devil get in and to see the church go sideways and to see the divisions and to see the pain, that rips me up. There's a grief when the church, uh, by, by servants, there should be a grief when the church is in turmoil. A pain when the church is in turmoil. And so here's, here's one of the solutions God has done. He says, well, um, this is what God has done. And I, I, through this ministry, I'm going to send Timothy to you. So, because there is nobody who I trust like this. Who will sincerely care for you. Now, Timothy was a young pastor at this point who had been set apart uh, to pastor some of the most important churches and travel and pastor for times in Asia Minor. And I find it fascinating what he says about Timothy here. Uh, He's saying, there's no one else of like soul who I can count on who will carry on all the same concerns of my heart for the church. He will, verse 20, genuinely Or sincerely care for your souls. Paul says, I'm going to send him so that I know about it too. And that's going to greatly bless me. (laughs) You see the, the body working together here. It's going to greatly bless me when I know that you're cared for. Talk about the mind of a servant. You see it? You can apply this in many ways. He separates out the character of Timothy. And remember, he already made a com- comment back in chapter 1. Some are in the ministry because of envy and strife. In other words, there are those in the ministry that only really are, are, are serving themselves. 
And they're not in the interests of Jesus. They're not in the interests of souls. They're not in the interests of people being helped and saved. And Paul warned against this. He called them deceitful workers. People who think that godliness is just a means of gain. And he says in in 21, he, he accents that by saying, listen, all in general seek their own and not the interests of Jesus Christ. That's the bent of human nature. You, it is wired in us to first and foremost be about us. We seek our own. And this is a big problem in ministry, says Paul. And so Paul is saying, listen, it's, it's very rare. When God does, and, and, and God has been faithful in doing this all over the place. But to find this kind of commitment of someone in the life of the church who genuinely and truly cares for the needs of others. Timothy was of that kind. We expose false pastors all the time, and pastors take it on the head all the time, even good ones. But it is important to stand back and look at good examples among us. Timothy, coming to them, would bring forth a servant who would labor in every way to, sh- to show concern about the church and to give himself to the ministry of the word so that these kind of problems and fires would be put out. He would put his life on the line and travel to these places and churches and stay to help struggling churches, brothers and sisters who were facing internal problems, number one, and then facing which remember what we've said is the thesis here. The internal problems were driven by the pressure of a persecution in the culture coming at the church. So much cultural stuff and attack on Christians was happening. And it was affecting how the people were becoming. This is a big moment for us, beloved, in the church in America right now. This is exactly what's happened in America. All the external pressure, all the fear all the division. Um, Our holiday's over, by the way, as Christians in America. What has that done in the church? It's caused a lot of panic, turmoil, fear. And what, what Paul is saying here is, this is one of the great examples to show you how God works. He sends you pastors. You know, think of the long line of pastors in this church. Think of all the way back to Joe May's father, Reverend Rorda to um, Reverend Howersile, Reverend Kaminga, Reverend Voss, Reverend Donovan. Now, uh, tonight I just prayed and he's sending you another that will minister to your needs, Reverend Contreras. That's a huge encouragement it should be to you. It's God's work. (laughs) And sincere pastors bring the mind of Jesus to bear down on the congregation. So they care about that. To encourage you. To help you. You know, I think this is, is meant to say to people who are constantly asking, what do I do? How do I live out my faith? What am I supposed to do now? What is a true Christian? And everyone is saying to me, now we got to fight. We got to fight. I hear this all the time. You want to know how to fight? It's with a whole different set of of weapons. We are to look at these examples and see what we are to be in the body of Christ. You know, turn over to chapter 4 for a minute. You'll see it. 
is building to this. I think this is kind of the crucial reason the whole book was written. If you look at um, verse 2, here's the heart of it. You don't just name people in the New Testament unless something big's going on. Paul names two saints. He names a lot of people in the scripture who are wolves, by the way. We get all mad at that today, but the scripture does it frequently. But notice here, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. There it is. A rift had happened and there was a big fight and there were women who had separated out and factions had happened in the church and this, all this was building to this. And, and so what is his solution? Yes, I ask you also, true companion. So that's a, a name of someone he's pulling out. Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellows, fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> See, there he grabs it and he says, this is what pastors were sent to do. And now this is your responsibility in the body of Christ. Help one another. Help one another. So this is, this is an important, have we, uh, have we seen problems of people loving one another? Or do we engage in the gossip? Have we, have we seen rifts and divisions? Have we had conflict? You got a great purpose. Okay, pastor, that's the pastors. That's the pastors. You're holding up the pastors with the responsibility. Um, we're just laymen. Well, don't say that too quickly. Now we're going to meet a guy named Epaphroditus. And this is a good layman. Notice what is said in verse 25 about Epaphroditus. Yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker. This is, um, this is verse 25. And fellow soldier. Amazing he calls him that. And your messenger and minister to my need. Now listen, for he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, not only on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Receive him. Notice what he says there. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Okay. Who was Epaphroditus? (laughs) Um, Paul has a lot of things to say about this guy. Gets a lot of good things said about him. He's a brother in the Lord. He's a fellow worker. He's a fellow soldier. And notice here, the Philippians' messenger to minister to Paul. We'll look further into the life of Epaphroditus next time we are together as we continue our survey of the book of Philippians. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Chris Gordon, who will return in just a moment with a look ahead to our next broadcast. Questions, comments about the program, as always, are more than welcome. We'd love to hear from you. How's the program encouraging you in your walk and relationship with Christ? 
reach out to us. Let us know, won't you? Our number is 888-504-8805. Or you can visit us online, agradio.org. Now, that is a great resource to have handy. Not only do we have past programs available online at our website, we also have jumping off points to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as recent articles written by Pastor Chris and other friends of the ministry. Again, agradio.org. We also would like to remind you that you're a very key part of this ministry, Abounding Grace Radio. Through your financial partnership with us and prayerful support, we are able to continue this ministry, not only on this station, but others as well. So would you please consider partnering with us financially, whether it's a one-time gift, a monthly gift, no gift is too small or too large. Reach out to us again at agradio.org or call us at 888-504-8805. As promised now, once again, here's Pastor Chris to look forward to our next broadcast. We see men and women lay down their life for their countries. Look at how much interest there is to give their life for a country. How much more should we for our king and his cause? It's not a monastic life. It's a life in the trenches that you enlisted in when you professed your faith. Not in the mountains, tops, but in the valleys. That's tomorrow as we close out the week here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Chris Gordon. Join us then. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries. Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort in the knowledge of the forgiveness of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.